Hello, and welcome to the Thrivality Out Loud podcast. I am your host, EJS, and it's my passion to share and distill the best of the best in what it takes to be vibrant, vital, and alive in body, mind, and spirit. I have persevered through the fires of chronic fatigue, severe gut imbalances, Lyme co-infections, parasites, hormonal dysregulation, heavy metal toxicity, all while trying to figure out how to get my energy and drive back. I have emerged a new person rich with experience and appreciation for my newfound energy, mental clarity, and capacity for handling what life throws at you. Combined with a certification in functional diagnostic nutrition, I can integrate my rich experiences with the robust FDN framework to help you become the best version of yourself. Let's identify best practices that will work for you. Let's cut through the clutter and start producing results. Let's start this podcast. Welcome to the show. All right, folks, today's podcast with Anders Corbett is super, super, super interesting. Anders is a microbiome scientist whose work aims to advance the customizable nature of human bodies through athlete-derived athletic probiotics. I want to read that again. A microbiome scientist whose work aims to advance the customizable nature of human bodies through athlete-derived athletic probiotics. That means certain traits are transferable, and that is a profound insight. Anders is a former fellow in genetics at the Church Lab at Harvard Medical School, a recipient of the National Science Foundation Research Fellowship, and USA national team athlete in rowing. He currently spends his time in Thetford Center, Vermont, where he owns and operates his probiotic business, Craft Microbiome, with his business partner, Connor Pardell. So a few details on the show is is how uh, Anders' educational background at work and how he ultimately got interested in genetics and the microbiome. Competing at a world-class level in rowing as a walk-on at Madison University, that's just incredibly walked on the team and competed (laughs) at at a world-class level. A chance meeting with Dr. George Church from Harvard Genetics Lab while working at the mall at a shoe store. How Anders landed a job at the Harvard Genetics Lab by talking his way and combined uh, with homemade cookies and some fast-talking creative tenacity. How his his job at Harvard Fellow at the Genetics Lab uh, led to an interest in the microbiome. How a paper on the microbiome suggesting that maintaining a healthy weight had more to do with the presence of very specific strains of bacteria than the quality of the food certain refugees were eating. The amount of genetic material uh, in human DNA versus our microbiome. My limited success supporting genetic SNPs with targeted supplements and nutrition. How Anders helped a herd of underweight pigs gain weight with the simple addition of targeted probiotics and how that led to the formulation of his company, Craft Microbiome. Their profound conceptualization after the pig experiment that one's physical attributes are not permanent but are transferable. Again, that's just absolutely profound. What role the microbiome plays in versus genetics in regulating weight, muscle growth, hormones, and more how they studied and isolated human strains of probiotics from world-class athletes and academics, uh, aka really smart people, for their craft strength, endurance, and complete formulas to help humans optimize muscle growth, hormone optimization, improve endurance, and energy production. How Anders gained an insane 25 pounds in a single month, and how their craft complete can help calm the gut for those dealing with gut challenges, a discount code for their amazing probiotics, and more. All right. Well, 
Anders, welcome to the Thrivality Out Loud podcast. Thanks so much for giving us some time today to uh, talk about craft microbiome, your probiotics, and your focus on developing, you know, sort of uh, strains to uh, based on world-class athletes and performers to help others sort of get the benefits of uh, unique probiotic strain. So thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. I'm happy yeah. to be here. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about, before we sort of dive into craft microbiome and your probiotics, um, tell us a little bit about where you're from, your history, your education, and then sort of how that segued into your interest in the microbiome. Sure. Uh, so a long time ago, <laughs> I was born in northern Wisconsin. and We lived in New York City, and then we moved to Madison, where I went to high school and college. And in Madison, Wisconsin, at the university, I was an athlete um, on an undefeated national championship rowing team. So we raced like Harvard, Yale, and Washington, and Cal, and all that stuff. And my sophomore year, we went undefeated. It was fantastic. I'd never done rowing before, and I walked onto the team, which was pretty amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then after college, I got invited to the Olympic Training Center, and I spent two years there training. And I raced at the World Championships in uh, rowing, and they were in Bulgaria, which was a lot of fun. And then after rowing, I was like, well, I worked my body so hard, I got to work my brain. And so I started taking some graduate courses and um, found my way to, uh, as a grad student at MIT for a class. And then I had a number of jobs as like a biosafety officer. Um, I was a fellow in genetics at Harvard Medical School, where a lot of this work came from. Um, I launched the company after leaving that job, and um, I've been a National Science Foundation fellow for a PhD program at UMass, and currently I'm in a, it's called the Tuck Next Step program at Dartmouth, so in the Dartmouth Business School. Awesome. While, while I'm trying to, <laughs> to, to scale the company. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a challenge, you know, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I work full time in, in software and then, you know, I'm trying to scale, if you will, you know, my yeah. podcast and uh, <laughs> my website and, you know, doing doing stuff that I'm I'm really passionate about. Um, I love this, your website, by the way. It looks what's great. that? I love your new website. Ah, thank way. you very much. Thank you very much. We we we, uh, we put a lot of work into that. I hired a, a branding firm out of the UK and they were just phenomenal to work with. And, you know, they really mirrored my uh interest in and working with clients in terms of doing you know functional functional medicine because they did a really great intake process so they made me think and ask a lot of questions you know about what i wanted the website to be so appreciate the appreciate the high fives um so how how would you define the microbiome right you started this fellowship at harvard tell us a little bit about what got you interested in the microbiome and how would you define the microbiome so um, my first, I would say, eight months at Harvard Medical, I was working with a postdoc that did editing of human stem cells. So we were using CRISPR. So this was right around a year or two after CRISPR was kind of discovered, mm-hmm. beginning to work on. And um, it was a cool, it was a really cool cutting edge project. We would edit all like a specific gene within human stem cells. And we take that out and we put a mouse gene in. And we just hoped that the stem cells would survive. <laughs> so we did this for a while. And all of a sudden, I heard about this other 
postdoc working on microbiome of elite athletes. And he kind of recruited me because I was a former elite athlete. And so I eventually left the stem cell project and moved to work with uh, this other postdoc. And um, I would describe the microbiome as like a, as having two parts. The microbiome is like a, the larger community of the gut that have like similar habitat. Um, and it not only refers to, I'm trying not to read. <laughs> um, and then the second part, so we have this habitat where a similar group of organisms live and kind of have physical chemical relationships. And then the second part is the microbiota. And that's specifically the organisms from different kingdoms and um, similar structures, and they produce metabolites that work with each other. And there's um, different kind of um, genetic similarities between the organisms that live there. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So, you know, we've often been described as symbiotes, right? Yeah. Uh, right. And, and, and I think that's the, the part of this that really interests me is, is you know, the fact that we, we have these bacteria, right? And they, they can work for us, you know, and yeah. with us or, or against us. And the more we can get them working with us and for us, right, the better we can be the best version of our, ourselves. So we have this huge dependency. And, you know, without the microbiome, right, and the, the healthy bacteria, we, we wouldn't be, yeah, yeah we wouldn't be. Well, yeah. yeah, just just by numbers, I think we're we're far outnumbered by the number of bacteria in our gut. You know, there's way more bacteria in our body. Oh my God, this thing's moving around. Um, yeah. there's way more bacteria in our body than there are human cells. You know, just by raw numbers, right? And by total genetic content, there's way more like DNA from bacteria in us than there is human DNA, which is wild. It's completely wild. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and why this has had such an intense interest for me, right, is not only did I, did I struggle with, you know, gut, gut challenges and dysbiosis, but mm -hmm. I worked with a pioneering researcher uh, out of Pennsylvania who was doing a lot of interesting work in the field of genetics. Yeah. And, and so it was, you know, this is five, seven years ago. And so, you know, you would, you would take a saliva test and send your genetics off and then you would get your – but basically what he was doing was he would give you a report and try and prioritize how you could optimize – you know, your food and your supplements to align with your genetics. And I, I found that helpful, mm -hmm. but um, eventually a rabbit hole in the sense that I really, I learned that you had to treat the whole, <laughs> the whole patient, right? And to go yeah. after pursuing some of these genetic SNPs and, you know, um, I just, oh. I just, yeah. The, um, you know, I think it was like year 2000, 2001, where they sequenced like the complete genome of one person and it ended up costing like a billion dollars or something like that. Mm -hmm. And now 20 years later, it's like less than a thousand dollars. Right. And so just the financial capacity to be able to sequence the DNA in our gut at an affordable level has only recently become available. Yeah, I right? know. Yeah. And like, and to sequence a human and to reliably sequence all the DNA in a human is just like, it's, we're just coming to the fruition yeah. of like a 20-year project. Yeah. So I think this is an interesting question, right? And we'll certainly get into craft and all the stuff that you guys are doing. But when you think about the genetics of a human and the genetics of the microbiome, since the math is, I, I don't know, what's the ratio of genetic material in the human to the microbiome? Do you, do you, is it a 10 times multiple? Is it? 
Yeah, there's 10 times more bacterial DNA. Okay. So it, it seems then we should probably spend more time here than worry about in genetic variants here. Would you, would you agree? And could you comment on that? Yeah, like I think um, some people have this theory that like we're actually slaves to the bacteria, that they're the hive mind and we're just the, the body that, <laughs> that moves for the bacteria, which is pretty wild to think about. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it's... I think there's a great influence, and you can look at um, mouse models. Um, they set up mouse models as like a germ-free mouse versus like a wild-type mouse, and they'll measure various chemicals produced in the mouse or things like that. But almost always, the germ-free mouse, so a mouse that's grown in a sterile environment, there's no bacteria at all in the mouse at all from birth to death, um, is pretty unhealthy. You know, they're sickly, they don't move as well, they have lower you know, neurotransmitters, lower growth hormones, you know, things like that. Whereas a wild type mouse is exposed to like a regular diet with, you know, even the diet for the germ-free mouse is, you know, uh, removed bacteria from and all that kind of stuff. Does that make sense so yes, far? Yes, yeah, it, it, it know, does. We, we need these things to be healthy humans. Yeah, okay, awesome. <laughs> um, so... How did how did your interest in genetics segue into pursuing the microbiome? Like, you know, you obviously were, you were doing the genetic fellowship. You heard about the microbiome. Like, what shifted for you? Was there a particular challenge you were trying to solve coming from a world-class athletic background? Um, you know, how did, how did you make that shift? Well, um, <laughs> well, I was just happy to have that job. <laughs> to be yeah, good. yeah. Um, it's a, it's a bit of a funny story how he even got the job is, um, Dr. Church, the guy that was in charge of the lab, he, um, is a pretty world famous guy. He's been yes. on airport and everything. Yep. And at the time I was working at Brooks brothers at the mall and he walked by the store and I had just read his book. And so I like approached him. I'm like, Hey, like you're George Church. He's like, yeah, I'm George Church. Yeah, maybe he gets recognized. I don't know. And I told him about like what I wanted to do, and he gave me some advice. He said, uh, put yourself in places you don't belong because that's where you learn the most. And then about two weeks later, I like bribed the security guard at Harvard. I got through, and like, I gave the secretary some cookies. I'm like, oh, I'm a former student of Dr. Church's. Can I have 15 minutes with him? Totally bullshitting the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. For 15 minutes with Dr. Church and I like told him, I'm like, oh, hey, do you remember me from the mall? He's like, how'd you get in here? And I said, oh, I really want a job. And then, you know, a little conversation later and we go out to the secretary and he's like, find this guy a job. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, fa that's a fantastic story. So practicality and some persistence got you. Yeah. In the <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't belong here. Maybe I could learn a lot here. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You definitely didn't belong at the mall. You're, 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 <laughs> yeah. And um, so that got me with um, this Dr. Byrne, Susan Byrne. And I was just trying to soak up as much information as I could from her. You know, she had done like a PhD and then she went to Oxford and the University of Chicago and she was like year six of her postdoc. So she was like as driven and as straight as like, you know, as you could be. Mm. And so I just tried to learn as much as I can from her, could from her. But this other project just had so much more applicability to me as a person, as an athlete. Mm. I'm like, relate to this project a lot more. And I was able to transplant a lot of the skills I'd 
learned from Dr. Byrne over to Dr. Scheinman. And um, we were able to, you know, based on some of my connections with athletes and Olympic athletes, you know, being at the Olympic Training Center and um, the hard science that I had learned from Dr. Byrne were really, you know, kind of a melding of everything I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> and what I've done in the past. Yeah. Well, you said something very, you know, on your website, you have this interesting statement that you said you guys conceptualize the idea that one's physical attributes are not permanent, but transferable. I, 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 I love that thought, right? And getting back to the <laughs> genetics, right? Because, you know, when you sometimes as a, as a client, when you get your genetic snips, you think I am a determinant of my, of my genes. But I think the more right. I learned about epigenetics and the microbiome and the fact that we're a symbiote, mm-hmm. we're really not captive to our genes, especially when the microbiome has 10 times the genetic material that, that we do. Yeah, right? Yeah, so, so comment on that. What, what was the genesis of that thought, and where do we go with it? The original idea came from a paper from 2016. It was about um, famine victims and how when Western countries go to these famine victims and we give them food that makes a Westerner gain a lot of weight, right, almost become obese, we give the same food to these people dying of starvation and famine and they don't gain as much weight. And we're like, what, what's happening? Mm-hmm. You know, why the food and the calories just seem to pass through these people undigested, you know, and the calories are still complete as they move through the, as the, through the person. And so they did all sorts of genetic studies that like, Oh, is it the DNA of the people? No, not really. It's similar to those that gain weight. Is it this, is it that? But eventually they found, it was like a single strain of bacteria that actually was able to capture extra calories and turned it into a growth hormone, which is pretty amazing. That is, that is absolutely fascinating. <laughs> I, I have so many questions about this, um, <laughs> you know, because I, I, like I have a friend who I would say is a world-class athlete, class athlete. We're similar in build, mm-hmm. um, same height, like six foot three, um, but he's 212 pounds and he's just, <laughs> you know, he was a world-class weightlifter, right? So at one point he was six foot three and 250, right? So he's now slimmed down to 210, <laughs> 212, right? And I swear he could, like, he could do a Spartan race, bike, hike, like he with the best of them. And he just signed, he was just telling me, he just signed up for a hundred mile race this fall. <laughs> wow. uh, you know, and I, man, I'm 170, you know, soaking wet. Right. And, and so, <laughs> You know, I'm like, what is different about this guy that he can just turn the same, basically, and we eat very similar diets, right? He, that he can take a very similar calorie intake and load and convert it to, you know, 210 pounds or <laughs> the muscle, right? Yeah, right. And um, after, so I was reading this, like, and I had a two-year contract with Harvard and it was ending. And it was like, right as I was ending my contract that I read this paper and I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. It blew my mind. And right after that, I was, I had a farm share, you know, where you go and you get the food from the farmer. And he was telling me about his pigs and he's like, oh, I'm feeding these pigs so much food and the pigs aren't gaining any weight, you know? And I, the idea kind of came to me like, wait, I just read about this. And then, so that was kind of our first customer was making this farmer's pigs gain extra weight. And so I like, all my supplies I could like I, I wrote down everything I could that I remembered from Harvard bought it on Amazon all the ingredients I could and then um, I was just starting that PhD program so I got into the lab early at UMass and just started growing these probiotics for this farmer 
And once um, I, but for, to first to do that, I had to get the original isolate for the weight gain probiotic. Yeah. And so I met the farmer in a Whole Foods parking lot where he gave me a Tupperware full of like fecal matter, poop from like a thousand pound breeding pig off somewhere in Maine. And then so he gave me this poop and I took it to the lab and I found the bacteria that's responsible for weight gain, the lactobacillus. And then so I isolated, I grew it in the lab and then gave it back to him. And then he grew his pigs and then the pigs gained so much weight he could slaughter them early. And then that was like the proof concept for the whole idea that you could actually wow. train like weight gain, right? A physical trait, how much weight you, you currently have from one animal, a thousand pound breeding pig to a whole herd of pigs. So the whole herd gains extra weight and then, you know, gets slaughtered quicker, <laughs> saving the farmer money. Wow. Wow. That's, that's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Um, so I just want to be clear. I'm not giving pig probiotics to people though. I'm giving athlete probiotics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's, but that's still fascinating. Just the whole notion of being able to, to transfer traits via, via the, the mic microbiome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so then why are some people like myself, hard gainers, right? Uh, but yeah, I mentioned my, my close friend who's, you know, similar build, similar diet, similar amount of calories. I mean, he's 210, 212. Uh, and to be fair, right. He's definitely trained his body, you know, cause he's been weightlifting for so long, like his brother, right. Who doesn't do the same has a very similar build to me. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, so he clearly has adapted his body, but now he's gotten to the point where he's very efficient at it. Like if he right. wanted to bulk up to two thirty, he probably could do it in, in short order. Whereas me, <laughs> you yeah. know, not, not, not so much. So what's going on there? Mm, I think it's a, a few different things, right? Like the lack of that specific probiotic is just one piece to like gaining weight. And um, but I think you mentioned to me in an earlier conversation about epigenetics, and that kind of reminded me of a of a study they did a few years ago where they found that grandchildren of people that had suffered through a famine are on average, you know, two or three inches shorter, which is kind of wild. So mm. maybe, um, I think they were talking about like the great potato famine of Ireland or something like that, or another famine in the Balkans or something. Um, so that could be a play in it too. Maybe there was some historical trauma or historical stress that resulted in the conservation of genes the methylation of genes, which can all affect which genes are activated. You know, we all have these, this idea of DNA as this long string, but there's a lot of DNA in all our little cells in our body and how they're activated is dependent on which genes are kind of exposed to the cellular mechanism that activate them. Does that make sense? Yeah, so let's, like, let's, yeah. Let's let's tease that out. So methylation would be a good a good example. So some people might have the MTHFR SNP, right? And so they don't methylate as as well as as other people, right? And then that creates problems with detoxification, right? So, you know, one of the things you'll see in in clients, you know, if you're working in functional medicine or functional health, is typically people who are under methylators have a hard time detoxifying from like say say heavy metals for example. So does that does that give some context to the discussion? Yeah. Um like we have this DNA in our in our cells, right? And it's not just some long sinuous 
line, right? It would get like a kite string. It would get super tangled up. And so to kind of conserve that, the DNA is wrapped around these proteins called histones. And they are, it's wrapped really tightly and it looks kind of like a long cylinder. And, you know, let's say you want to activate some gene for methylation or demethylation or whatever like that. Um, a specific gene has to become exposed from that histone. It has to be taken out, slowly moved out, and then the cellular mechanisms would come in and read that DNA and code kind of instructions for what the cell to do later. Yep. Right? Yep. But, but sometimes that protein, that histone protein can be malformed. Sometimes there's, you know, kinks in the DNA. Sometimes there's DNA structures where a DNA um, strand is like curled over each other and like tied in a knot somehow. And it's really hard for the cell mechani mechanisms to come in and activate that gene, right? And that actually, that like, um, that knot, crazy as it is, can be transferred from one parent to a child or from a parent to a child to a grandchild. And that's kind of the, the science behind like epigenetics and the activation of like certain genes like you know another example is like you go through a really stressful event sometimes those um genes associated with that stressful event uh, are activated all the time now and that could have like negative consequences for the ad adjacent gene right like that activated gene that's on all the time yep may affect the activation of the gene that's directly next to that gene interesting right? So the yeah. one right to it might not be able to be activated. Mm. So is there a way? Is it is there a way that people can if they have if they have these sort of I guess uh, tangled DNA? Is there a way that that can be addressed through through the microbiome or through lifestyle? I I think I think there is, but we're not quite. I don't think the science or the theory is totally there to give a proper diagnosis to that yet. Like even the um. The idea, you know, you can sequence DNA, right? Like you can read every bit of DNA in a person from start to finish. Yep. But that doesn't mean that all the DNA is active in the right order, right? And we don't quite understand what parts are in a knot and what parts aren't, you know, act, are, does that make sense? Yeah. And so I'm not, maybe there is some new science that I, I'm not uh, aware of, but. That was my understanding of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, I've really just shifted my focus on and, and trying to focus on you know how I can be the best version of myself through you know just my lifestyle, light diet, yeah, you know, food timing, sleep timing, um, gut gut health optimization, and yeah. things like that. Yeah, there cool. might be some medical metaphysical answers to it. You know, meditation and absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are there. Are, yeah. I don't think we fully understand. I mean, you know, yeah. reductionist materialism can get us so far, but I, I actually think there's more to to it than just that. So. All right. Well, let's dive I into. Activates yeah. my I one. You know, I need my iPhone to turn on that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, let's dive into craft then. So you, you know, what makes craft microbiome unique? You've got a strength formula and you've got an endurance formula. Um, so tell, tell us about, you know, craft and what makes you guys sort of unique. Sure. Uh, the two main focuses we have are probiotics for 
physical traits, like we mentioned before, the ability to transplant a physical trait from one to many. So that's a big uh, differentiator for us. And the second one is that these probiotics are isolated from athletes. You know, not only are they, um, were they found on a leaf somewhere in the soil, you know, these are the probiotics that came from someone that raced at the Olympics or that raced at the World Championships. You know, so there's, we know that those physical traits are tied to physical attributes, and these people are the best or some of the best of what they do in the world. Yeah. And make sure to get those bacteria, those probiotics from those people doing that specific thing that we like. That's amazing. So given how vast the microbiome is, how did you guys pare down to two or three <laughs> strains? There's a lot of research. People are really, the microbiome field is like exploding. And so people publish research all the time on different things, what different bacteria do, how they're connected to the brain, you know, the mechanism of communicating from the brain to the gut, you know, what activates this, what activates that. And so we scour the research. We just read and we read and we read about all these different studies that come out. And um, I, about a year ago, we pared it down to about six different strains of bacteria that we really, we really wanted to focus on that we thought would have the biggest kind of impact on our, on our consumer base. Okay. Well, I started experimenting, you know, with your strength strain, because that's that's the, an area of interest for me, right? So I wanted to, you know, to build muscle and um, optimize testosterone. So um, what are this? What are the strains in that particular particular product? We have a lactobacillus rotari and a lactobacillus plantarum. And those uh, we go even further than that. We have a, a lactobacillus plantarum and it's a substrain called WJL. And then we have the lactobacillus rotari 6475. And so these are not just genus level, not just species level, these are substrain level. And so we identify these, um, these substrains through genetic sequencing of an identifiable piece of DNA in the bacteria. Um, and so we know we're going after the right, you know, specific strain. It's not just some random lactobacillus we go for a, you know, a very specific uh, type of bacteria that has specific genes in it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah. That makes sense. That's fascinating. So um, what, what phyla do they, do they belong to? So the, I have it written down here, the firmicutes and bacteroides. So the firmicutes are the lactobacillus and, oh, wait, sorry, the firmicutes, where is this? Um, and we have, I just wanted to make sure I got this right. One of these notes. Um, oh, so the lactobacillus are firmicutes. The bifidobacteriums that are in our craft um, complete are the actiobacteria, and then the villanella that's in our craft um, complete is uh, or craft endurance are firmicutes as well. Okay. And, and which ones help with the, the weight gain and, and, and the muscle building and the, the, the hormone optimization? Sure. The lactobacillus uh, rotari and the lactobacillus uh, planetarum that are in our craft complete are directly associated with um, testosterone, 
and I can go through the mechanisms of how that works. And then, yeah, yeah, please okay. describe how that works. So uh, let me just make sure I get my notes correctly because I would. Um, okay, so the there have been previous studies that show that you're limited by testosterone, kind of by the inflammation in your body. It's like a something called interleukin seventeen, mm -hmm. and it's a cell signaling cytokine. Right, it goes cell to cell and it tells the cell what to do or what I'm doing in the cell tell that cell what to do. And so they realize that this is like an inflammation thing. It's really bad as um, specifically for male males and, you know, women too need testosterone. But um, blocking this cytokine or this cell signaling for inflammation, which is, comes from a helper T cell, is can really uh, increase testosterone levels and, and put you at back to normal or above back to normal. And so um, a paper published found that lactobacillus uh, rotari, this specific one, 6475, blocks the signaling, the cytokine signaling, right, to, that causes inflammation. It blocks it. It stops it. And so as a result, in males, uh, the Leydig cells or the cells in your testicles where testosterone are produced actually uh, get less inflamed and are able to, especially as you get older, inflammation seems to accumulate there. Um, they get, which is, I don't know, kind of funny, but uh, as you, and that reduces the inflammation and returns kind of the testosterone level. And so this is, um, you know, to add or above average, which um, surprisingly enough, American males testosterone is like tanking in the past 20 years. Yeah. For other reasons, but we're not, we're not going to go into that. Yeah. Um, that kind of, and that's a direct example of a bacteria influencing the DNA um, activation, right? Like those helper T cells, I, I have the gene down here, um, but the cell signaling is blocked by a bacteria, this lactobacillus rotari. And by blocking that cell signaling, testosterone levels go through the roof. And, and when you say through the roof, like what kind of increase could potentially someone who's, you know, 40 and above see? Um, let's see if we I know I think the average level is between four and 12, 400 and 1200 nanoliters. Or is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I've measured myself. I took this probiotic a few years ago. I ended up gaining 25,000 a month from it, which is pretty wild. Um, and my testosterone, I think at the time went from like 600 to like 900 something. So wow. that's 50%. My own personal, you know, I, who knows where I, what I was doing beforehand, but I was able to increase my testosterone, almost double it. Wow. And you gained 25 pounds in a month. How much were you taking? I was taking, um, what was it? I think it was like a hundred billion CFUs a day or something like that. So that would be equivalent of how many capsules? Like that's like 20 capsules a day, something insane. <laughs> I think I was taking quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I was growing. This was right around the time I was uh, producing it for the pigs. And I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to kill the pigs. <laughs> so, so you gave it to yourself. And, uh, <laughs> I isolated it from myself, uh, grew it, you know, in the lab that I was eating it just to make sure that. I was worried about the pigs. <laughs> but really after funny. a week, like, I started to gain weight. I'm like, what's happening? And I thought about it. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, let's keep this going. Let's see how it goes. And wow. So I, I think I went from 165 to 190. Which That's is and and where, where are you now? 
Wait, why? Uh, right now, I've st I've actually gotten up to 200, back down to 190. But in the meantime, I've gone between then and now, I've gone back down to 150 something, and then. In about the past year, I went up to 200 and then back to 190. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, wow. And you're I'm about 190 right now? Right now. <laughs> What's that? I'm a little bit all over the place. Yeah. At the moment that, with my weight. That's amazing. Um, well, I, I had to get back down to weight because I raced at the Pan Am trials okay. um, for in rowing. So I need to get back down to like a, a racing weight. Which and, was a, and racing weight would be? For me, it was 155. Okay, I can see why you have to get down. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of weight loss, then how, how could someone use a craft product um, or the microbiome in general or probiotics to lose weight? Because I, I also have a friend who you know, eats perfectly and, and she can't lose the weight. So uh, yeah. what, what could someone do there to help optimize weight? Well, this is a tricky subject, right? Through, through microbiome work, um, those same famine victims, right, that I talked about that lacked those calories, besides that lacking of that bacteria, they had a very healthy microbiome. And so if you wanted to, you could, in theory, right, I'm not proposing this, but you could do a fecal transplant from someone that was a famine victim, and you could eat all the food you wanted. Yes. In theory. Yes. Um, I thought about that because the research hasn't gone to the point where this bacteria makes you lose weight. There are, now let me preface this, there are other theories that ratios of bacteroides and firmicutes, which are phylum yes. of, of your gut, you know, different ratios can affect your body type. And the research I think is pretty, I think solid on that, where you have, uh, if you have a higher ratio of firmicutes to bacteroides, on average, I believe you're going to be overweight. Is what you know that ratio seems to impact your BMI in some ways. I'm sure there are exceptions to the rule on that. Mm -hmm. I, mm, I'm like 90% sure that's the reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're you're right there. <laughs> yeah. So you know, by taking um, you know bacteroides, which are majority bifidobacterium, I believe. Um, that's the easiest type of bacteria that's in the bacteroides phylum. Um, I, I think you could impact that, uh, that ratio exercise as well impacts that ratio as well. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? absolutely. So with the strength formula, what else does it impact? So testosterone, what, what other hormones does it, does it impact? Uh, growth hormone in the liver, specifically from the planetarium. And so that is a di another direct relationship between the uh, bacteria and a physical impact on your body. You know, so if you're, um, you know, let's face it, all of us don't get all the minerals and chemicals and calories that we need to be like a healthy human, right? Mm -hmm. All of us have some sort of lacking of that. Uh, this bacteria seems to be able to kind of counteract even minimal malnutrition and especially um, capture uh, your growth hormone and the ability to kind of return to normal growth status. You know, that means building muscles, you know, that means a healthy functioning liver, you know, those kind of things. That's super, that's super interesting. Um, and, and what about like uh, optimizing for sleep? Does it, does it help with sleep, recovery? 
Uh, I, I know um, through testosterone studies, especially in aging men, the, um, you know, when you do like a patch testosterone or testosterone replacement therapy, TRT, mm -hmm. you know, it results in, you know, things like better sleep, you know, you know, so I would say an increased level of testosterone would help you be more restful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now what about the difference between or increasing total, not only te total testosterone, but what about free testosterone? So, mm -hmm. I, you know, that's one of the areas where I, I've struggled with is my total testosterone is great, right? Mm -hmm. But my free is, yeah. Yeah, the, so um, is that a, I'm not, now I'm not a doctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doctor on this, but that's usually an association with the testosterone receptors being inaccessible, right, to the free testosterone. That sounds right. Is, that sounds right. <laughs> and usually those uh, receptors are being occupied by um, their androgen receptors and they're being occupied by um, estrogen, which all male, males have, right? Yep. I, um, some recent studies have indicated that, um, what's the name of that chemical? There's a chemical that was in like plastic water bottles that's in like, um, the oh, yeah. paper, right? Some people theorize that that chemical is actually blocking those receptors and preventing, you know, regular testosterone uptake. Um, but as far as that, I'm not a doctor, right? I'm just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, trying to give you a, yep. Yeah. Um, and it's a paper published from a long time ago, from the 60s or 70s. Um, it's a bacteria called um, Clocidodrum sindens. And what that seems to do is snip the estrogen molecules in half, and that seemed to upregulate testosterone quite a bit. Um, we haven't isolated that probiotic. Uh, we've isolated a cousin of that probiotic, but we haven't isolated that one in particular. That would potentially be that would potentially help you. Yeah. Okay. That's a so, common problem, right? You know, guys with uh, with low with decent, you know, total testosterone, but but low. And I think you're right. I think a lot of it has to do with environmental factors from from false estrogens in the environment, yeah. from plastics and things like that. Um, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the villanella bacteria that's in our craft endurance. Okay. I feel like I'm getting really like into the science here and I, you know, maybe hopefully people can follow what we're talking about. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah. The, um, we have uh, Villanella atypica, which is, um, uh, goes back to a study. Uh, so while I was at Harvard, um, uh, the other scientists and I actually Harvard paid for us to go to the Olympics, the Rio Olympics, and we were trying to recruit athletes to our study, which was pretty cool. Um, and during that study, uh, before and after going to Rio, we did a, a longitudinal study of the bacteria in the gut, right? The total bacteria that lives there and all the different types, like the lactobacillus, bifidobacterium, the clostridium. we had a whole big chart and we charted over the course of days, how that population changed, which was pretty cool. Um, especially strength endurance sports. So athletes that had like a six minute, a three minute competition length, they had very specific strains of bacteria shoot up, you know, due to the type of event they were doing. And then over the next few days, uh, there was a recovery phase where the population of that bacteria would actually go back down, which was pretty cool. And that bacteria that would do that is called villanella. And that villanella is shown to eat lactic acid. 
the lactic acid actually crosses the um, barrier of the bloodstream and goes into your lumen of your gut where it's consumed by the lactobacillus, uh, by the Villanella bacteria, which is- Yeah, that's, that's super fascinating. So for, for an athlete, um, what does that do to their recovery times? Does that enable them to work out more days per week or more times per day? Like, could they do you know, two sessions a day versus one? Like, what, what are some of the things that you, you're seeing in your client for, base? And- for specifically strength endurance athletes. So athletes with that specific time frame. And I wanted to go on to say that for each athlete, we saw a different bacteria, you know, like, um, you know, an Olympic swimmer had a specific type of bacteria. An Olympic runner had a specific type of bacteria. They were all different, right? A marathon runner was different. A rower was different. And so specifically for the rower um, or for those kind of athletes, strength endurance athletes, we would see that um, they could do more hard sessions per week. You know, like you get a, usually in those kind of sports, you do like two really intense sessions a week, right? And we were able to see that the recovery time was actually quicker between those, um, you know, those hard sessions. Mm. And how, yeah, it does. How are you measuring it? Uh, by, uh, we would take fecal samples and then we do complete genetic sequencing of all the bacteria in the fecal samples. And how would you get the recovery time from that? Uh, just on their feeling on like, oh, I feel better. And then so they, you could see the population of the Villanella bacteria go down quicker instead of it taking three days for the population to drop, it would drop, you know, that day. Interesting. Right, because there's no food for the villanella bacteria, it would die off quicker. Right, because the villanella bacteria would I eat, got it now. Yeah, the villanella bacteria would eat the lactic acid, and then there'd be a lot of food. So, oh, let's replicate, replicate, replicate. Oh, we ran out of lactic acid. Die off, die off, die off. That's fascinating. So they're eating all the lactic acid, yeah. then they die off, which means you've recovered faster because you've gotten rid of the lactic acid. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah, that is totally <laughs> wild. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So it's a, it's a, it's a strange world, but it's so interesting. There's so it's super m- interesting. Yeah, right. And we're just at the tip of the iceberg of it. Yeah. So, um, how did you choose the athletes uh, where you source these strains? Um, at <laughs> um, the a few of the strains come from me as a former um, elite athlete. Um, but we also, um, try to balance the, I guess the, we're thinking about this, the fame of the athlete, you know, whether someone's like, um, celebrity status would kind of influence the bacteria being sold, you know, like this person is really famous, that kind of thing. So we've kind of stayed away from that for now. Um, but we, um, we wanted to get a Olympic decathlete which was important to us. We wanted to get um, a world-class rower, which used to be me. <laughs> okay. Um, and then um, for now, that's all that we're really selling. Um, we're not really, we have a strain bank with maybe 60 or more like 70 or 80 different strains right now of bacteria from about 12 different athletes. Um, you know, and they could be anywhere from an NHL player to a baseball player to MLB baseball player to you know, Olympic uh, gold medalists and things like that. 
And so we're, we're keeping the kind of names of our athletes close to the chest at the moment, but we, um, you know, pick them based on their performance capabilities, whether they or not they have the specific strain of bacteria that we're looking for. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So can your, can your products help with um, gut remodeling? Like someone who's had IBS or some level of dysfunction or dysbiosis. Is there any evidence for that? Yeah, in um, our craft complete, we have a bacteria, a bifidobacterium bacteria that's um, clinically proven, and the papers on the website clinically proven to kind of um, create a calmer gut. This bacteria seems to um, kind of regulate other bacteria in your gut and seems to kind of calm everyone down a little bit instead of having dysbiosis or like IBS or something like that. This, I know it's, it's, um, this bacteria seems to be, you know, like, uh, like a, like a Kissinger, like a Henry Kissinger in your gut. It seems to be able to negotiate between other strains of bacteria for a more regulated experience. Interesting. I may have to, I may have to give that, um, <laughs> give that a try. Yeah. So, are, are world-class athletes world-class because they have these strains or does the stress of becoming a world-class athlete <laughs> produce them as an adaptation? This, this kind of goes back to the theory of like, and I like to talk about this, that we're all born sterile. You know, when we are born in the world, we have no bacteria with us at all. Um, and our first dose of bacteria comes from our mother whether it's through the vaginal tract or if you're born by C-section, there are other bacteria they're starting to do. Um, you know, and to me, this could explain like, oh, I have this bacteria or I'm a world-class athlete because my mother or my father is world-class because I'm around them and I'm kind of getting their world-class bacteria in theory. But we haven't done the study that shows someone going from like a middling college athlete to an Olympic gold medalist and studying the bacteria that's in their gut. We haven't yet done that study um, to kind of understand that whether you can, whether you're born with these things and how those affect performance or whether they adapt to the training that you're doing. We know with the Villanella bacteria um, that's isolated from me, the bacteria has specific genes in it that kind of make it better at eating lactic acid than other bacteria that you can go online and buy or find in the wild. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And, and so just like um, Michael Jordan has different DNA than the Dalai Lama, right? There is high performing bacteria within your gut as well. So like one type of lactobacillus may be the couch potato lactobacillus and then there's the lactobacillus that's the michael jordan you know and so what we're finding is the michael jordan one and like those genetic differences and sometimes we can find them in regular people but we find them with much higher frequency in a world-class athlete fascinating it's, it sounds like we've got more research to do in terms of yeah. you know understanding you know, why my friend Tim is, you know, buffing 210 pounds and can <laughs> easily gain muscle, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, was, was it, what, did, what, did, what role did his microbiome play, right? Yeah. Uh, 
And is he able to easy gain because of it? Or did he develop that microbiome because he put his body under stress and it adapted? You know, that's, that's, yeah. yeah. Okay. Pretty wild. Like uh, we did one study where we went to CVS and we sequenced all the bacteria in the CVS probiotic. And then we sequenced the bacteria in me. And, you know, my lactobacillus had like 12 additional genes to the one in the, you know, DNA genes to the one at CVS. And, you know, you could go down the list of like, this gene does that, this gene does this, sugar, sugar absorption, you know, and it's just like, it's just kind of crazy, like that it's the same product, it's the same strain. They're named the same thing, but they do like vastly different applications. They vastly yeah, that's, that's amazing. So one of the th one of the things that I experienced in 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 my journey of optimizing my gut was, um, you know, optimizing butyrate production or or supplementing it with it exogenously. So I had uh, done the um, longevity test. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with with, with longevity. No, I'm not. Okay, and they're affiliated with Thorn uh, Thorn supplement products, and they're well researched and well funded. But you know, one of the things that came back is I was low in short chain fatty acids. So do your probiotics, to your knowledge, help with butyrate production? Um, with not, not to my knowledge, not to my knowledge. Okay. Uh, I, I know a little bit about uh, butyrate and that it's um, associated with fermentation of fiber in your colon, I believe. Right. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not. I haven't seen any direct studies from our probiotics to. Um, collection in the colon. So I'm, I'm interested in learning more. <laughs> if you, so please, I'd, I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. What about B12? So or B12 or B vitamins? So one of the things we know is that, um, you know, B, B complex vitamins are produced often in the gut or synthesized in, in the mm -hmm. gut. So any, any evidence there for supporting um, B vitamin production and optimization in the gut? I, uh, Again, there are studies about lactobacillus that I believe associated with B vitamin production and vitamin K and all that kind of nonsense in your gut. But for our probiotics, I have, I have not seen any, any data associated with that. Okay. Yeah. What about um, postprandial fatigue? So this is where you eat lunch or dinner and then, you know, within an hour or two, you feel tired, right? Um, how is that mediated by the microbiome? from your perspective and your understanding, and then does, does your product help reduce sort of that uh, postprandial dip in energy that a lot of people feel like, you know, it's like yeah. you have a big meal and you want to go take a nap. Yeah. Uh, I know there are bacteria associated with the diurnal cycle. So the cycle of the sun, and they blame that um, a lot of like jet lag on like kind of the dysbiosis of those bacteria as you like travel the world, which is really kind of crazy. Like something in your gut actually knows when the sun's out. <laughs> or not, which is really wild. It is totally wild. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as far as uh, we, I, again, I'm I'm so sorry, but I've, I I don't know. Yeah. Area that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah, I know. Like overarching themes of our bacteria, and I can talk about the different genes they activate and all that stuff. But as far as like a post meal dip in energy, I'm, uh, you know, my knowledge is kind of a little bit blank on that subject. Okay. All right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about time of day. So when do you take craft and, and how often? 
Uh, I usually take it in the morning after I've kind of fasted the night before. I usually eat it early dinner, six, seven o'clock at night. And so when I wake up in the morning, I'll take one pill, two pills uh, on an empty stomach. Our pill capsules are specifically designed to withstand the, um, I guess, hostile environment of our stomach and hopefully a release <laughs> in the gut. And we do have uh, data to show that they do pass through your body um, alive, that they're not dead. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, that was one of the questions I had is do they survive the, the yeah. stomach acid? And we are able to show that they're alive and active um, by the time they get through the, the human digestive tract. So they are surviving. Okay. Yeah, they are surviving. And I noticed on your, on your, the instructions, it could be like first thing in the morning. What about in the afternoon? You know, somebody wanted to double down on the weight gain and. Yeah, I, I think that'd be fine. I think that'd be great. Um, I'm just talking about when I take them. I don't see any foreseeable issues with taking probiotics at any time during the day. I think with food, um, it'd be great there. I'm sure if you eat them and as they're passing through, there's like a breakdown of the food products in your gut. I'm sure there are prebiotics associated with those bacteria that they could latch onto. I know um, taking um, the equivalent of breast milk, like really simple sugars with bacteria, oligosaccharides, I believe, yep. um, increases the propensity for the bacteria to actually stay inside your gut and to live there. Um, there is some data to support that, but it's, you know, I'm not... Um, I think more research needs to be done on that as well. Yeah, I've experimented a lot with prebiotics. Um, I've had good luck with uh, Bulletproof Interfuel, and then the folks from um, Microbiome Labs have their Mega Pre. Mm -hmm. um, and once I sort of cleaned up my gut, I was much more tolerant of the pre the prebiotic fibers and really felt that they, they actually helped um, in terms of stool quality and digestion and things like that. So I think there's definitely a place for um, prebiotics. You talked about cleaning up your gut. What do you mean with that? Well, for me, for me, so my my whole journey started with, um, and this is my perception, right? I, you know, yeah. as a, as a as a kid with um, a dental accident, I smashed my teeth out in a pool, and then that led to a lot of dental surgeries and and antibiotics. And you know, I can remember as a child, my parents taking me to the physician, uh, um, and you know, hey, our kid's tired all the time, right? So accident happened around seven and eight. And I can remember in the sort of my, you know, tween and teen years, just at times feeling uh, fatigued. But for the most part, I, like I was a normal person, right? I lived a normal life. I did things that all kids did. Um, and, but I can remember feeling like brain fog and, and that at various times and just not being able to articulate as quickly as I, as I wanted to. And over time, I had these reincurring affections that would just flare up out of anywhere in, in due to that dental accident. And so I would have to go get more antibiotics. And the dentist was just baffled that I would get these reoccurring infections because they were called the dry abscess. They, they, they would open them up. They, they wouldn't get anything out. But I was clearly you know, in visceral pain over what was going on. And so uh, later in life, in my mid-30s, I had another one of these flare-ups where I had just gone to school at BU. And I was there a week. And I woke up one morning. And I was like, ah, I've got another abscess. Mm -hmm. And so I took another month round of antibiotics. And when I was done with that, I just was so tired, had no energy, always wanted to nap. And so that really began my journey in earnest to try and clean up my gut. And so I have tried all kinds of um, 
you know, probiotics and cleansings. But basically, I think that injury just created some level of gut dysbiosis or or, or yeah. injury. And it's just taken me a long time to, you know, to, to rebuild it. So I've done everything from, um, <laughs> you know, fasting, cleansing, using herbs, uh, prebiotics, probiotics, charcoal, <laughs> all oh, kinds yeah. of things to clean up the, to try and clean up the gut. And where I really had the most impact was doing what's called a mono diet. Mm-hmm. And I drank just nothing but goat's milk for eight days and then took a series of, you know, cleansing herbs to kind of just relax the gut and clean the pipes. And I got the most impact from that. Wow. Yeah. And I did twice. I did nothing but goat's milk for eight, eight days twice so far. Wow. And I felt that, you know, amazing. And I, you know, what was great about it is I didn't really lose a lot of weight. I'm a thin guy. I'm always conscious about not, you know, wanting to lose weight. Yeah. And I, I, you know, goat milk has an amazing amount of calories. I was drinking close to a gallon a day, <laughs> you know, and a gallon of goat's milk has about uh, 2000 calories. Wow. So you weren't like in calorie deficit at all. You were. No. Yeah. No. Pretty cool. Yeah. So I, that, I had that, heard of the goat's milk before. So that's interesting. Yeah. And we were able to source, a, you know, kind of a, a clean um, grass fed, you know, raw yep. not pasteurized goat's milk from a farm in pennsylvania and they delivered to this uh, northern virginia area where we live and uh super, super fascinating i mean it tastes amazing i got shared it with a neighbor and she's like wow this is this is awesome <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what i mean by gut i've done so many things to kind of optimize you know the gut and reduce candida yeah. and things like that so there's um a few years ago vanity fair published a great article about this guy the scientist who used to work at nasa and he like did a fecal transplant on himself in a hotel room, which is kind of wild. I saw this article and I read it. It yeah. was crazy. It was. Well, you know, it's dangerous. You should always have a medical professional. Yeah. <laughs> and he took massive amounts of antibiotics and then he ate his friend's fecal matter that had like a good gut. And then he did um, genetic sequencing of the friend's gut and then his own gut. And they were like nearly identical after this whole transplant. Yeah, he was literally like taking fecal matter, putting it in capsules and ingesting it or something crazy like that, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. It it actually turns out from running this business, there's a fair amount of people that are interested in that in the world. Yeah. I, I, well, when you have when you have gut issues, it life can be like not fun, right? When you think that you have basically 10 times the genetic matter in your intestinal tract than you do in your own uh, DNA, right, and and that's not working well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. I I can tell you it's definitely not. <laughs> so, oh man. Yeah. Um, could you take oh, your? Go ahead. Th- there was one thing I wanted to bring up. Um, about I read a paper maybe two years ago, and it was on, um, I believe gingivitis or periodontist, and its relationship to dementia and Alzheimer's, which was pretty wild, and it was an amazing paper on like. If you have this specific strain of, um, I think it was gingivitis, I, I can send you the paper if you want to read it, but it talked about how you're much more likely to have a rapid onset of dementia or Alzheimer's when it happens, which is, which is wild. And because a lot of people don't realize, we have another microbiome of our mouth, too. Mm-hmm. Bacteria in our mouth can greatly affect how we feel and how we act. And Yeah. Just, you know. Absolutely wild. It's completely fascinating. So does Kraft help with any of the oral microbiome as well? We have not gotten into the oral microbiome yet. It's just another, I've, I've 
too many interests. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys are still trying to scale and yeah, establish yeah. yourself. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. Okay. Could you could you make yogurt with your products? Definitely. And we've had a few of our customers do it. And they'll send us pictures of them <laughs> eating the product. You know, they take the capsule, they take it apart, they put it in milk, and they don't add anything else. And then usually overnight or 12 to 18 hours later, they have some nice yogurt. And then what they do is they take that bit of yogurt, they put in more sterile milk, and then you get your nice yogurt. <laughs> That's awesome. All yeah. right. So that would work for the for the craft strength or the endurance? Yeah, for any of our products. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> so practical question. So for someone like me who wants to gain weight and build muscle, yeah. um, but I also am interested in some of the gut calming effects of the complete, which mm -hmm. would I take both or does the complete have the muscle building stuff in it as well? I believe the complete has one of the muscle building has the rotary in it. And so I would say if someone kind of just starting on their microbiome journey or understanding what it's like to kind of change your gut or change your body or physical traits, um, I would start with complete, you know, just to kind of get everything settled down. If you have some issues, you know, definitely have complete just to settle things down. If you are, um, you know, any of our products are good for any other, any person that you would like. Um, our products are not going to cause you discomfort or bowel issues or anything like that. Um, but if you're a bit more of an experienced athlete and you're looking for that kind of next level edge, or that I would go with the strength or endurance, depending on your desired event. You know, if you're an endurance athlete, go with endurance. You know, if you're if you want to gain weight, if you want to gain strength solely, you buy the craft complete or the craft strength. Sorry. Yeah. Now the the craft endurance has the both the strength and then it has the the the, the um strain in there that deals with the endurance and eating the lactic acid. Do you get the muscle building benefits in the endurance as well? Yeah, but um, you definitely do. But with, you know, usually happens when you're doing an endurance event, it's a little bit harder to gain weight when you're going out and running seven, eight miles a day. Or right, you do still gain weight, and I think you um, maintain any of the strength you would potentially lose while training. So I would, you know, you're going to gain weight with either one of those. You're okay. Gain okay. Weight okay. That. Awesome. Um, where do you see us going with? testing and then customizing a probiotic strain like let's just say you went to longevity or doctor's data or or you know one of these labs and you ran your gut mm -hmm. do, do you see custom probiotics on our on our horizon yeah we've had a number of customers that want custom probiotics from us and we're happy to happy to provide it to them you know uh, we've had customers from around the world that say oh i have allergies and they have actually brought to us um, which strains they wanted and so we went out and we were able to acquire those strains and then give them back to the customer which is pretty wild That's... they wanted four or five strains and so we we found them and you know we charged a fee and then we we're able to deliver the customer and he saw a great reduction in allergies from our product that's that that's fascinating. So do you yeah. guys have a preferred like lab test that you do you like or does the customer really need to come to you with what what they want uh, my favorite is American Gut, and that's um, founded by this guy named Rob Knight, and he's a professor at uh, UC Santa Barbara, and he's a huge microbiome guy. He's got a great TED Talk. He's a great communicator, you know, and he, um, he launched this uh, product mainly to, 
they would pay you to donate fecal samples to the company and they you know which is pretty wild and they um they run a test and it breaks the test is nicely animated and you can kind of everyday person can kind of understand it um but they're they're my favorite very so interesting far. okay american gut is your favorite your favorite lab okay like i'll have to I'll, I'll put that in the show notes for sure um <laughs> So, so what role does food play in optimizing uh, a person's experience with craft? With craft, um, we don't recommend any particular diet or any particular, you know, I think we believe that the individual probably knows best, you know, intuitive eating and that kind of thing. Big believer in that, that you really know best what's going to work for you. Um, we know that, um, specific probiotics eat specific things, right? Like this bacteria only eats that to survive. You know, for example, the villanella, its primary source of carbon is lactate. That's all it eats. Um, but what we what is less understood is if that lactate only comes from humans or do other bacteria produce that as well. So I think it's important just to eat a nice balanced diet and whatever you think is good for you, you know, you know what's best for you. Mm -hmm. But we don't recommend any spe uh, specific diet for our product. Okay. What do you th what do you think? This is a, just another question. That's what role does light play in regulating and optimizing the microbiome? It th this paper that was published. I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but that these bacteria know when it's light outside, you know, clearly indicates uh, a relationship between your gut and your brain, right? And it's not just a one-way relationship, it's a two-way relationship. So your brain can tell the bacteria in your gut what's going on, and the uh, bacteria in your gut can tell your brain what's going on, which is really wild. Um, though, I think you'd... Um, you know, for digestion, for, you know, everyday activities like that. I'm not sure the specifics of that relationship, but I, I do know that there is a pretty intense relationship. Yeah, there. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of the work of Dr. Jack Cruz. He's somewhat controversial, um, <laughs> but he really emphasizes that to, to optimize the mitochondria, right, you need to, and they're the engines, right? They're the engines that consume adenosine triphosphate and or produce adenosine triphosphate, right? And give us, give us energy, right? Yeah. He, and he said the, you know, the food that we eat is kind of like the fuel. It's like the gas we put in the car, right? But his whole point is a Ferrari on 87 octane <laughs> would still be a hell of a ride, right? Yeah. Uh, because the engine is just finely tuned, right? Of right. course, it would run better if you were on high octane gas, but it's still going to kick ass, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a Ferrari, right? And that engine has been optimized. And he said, we spend so much time, right? His argument is we spend so much time putting good fuel into bad engines. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and so he's got tons of the podcasts. You can go find him and, and YouTube's uh, him talking to, but he's a big advocate of um, light exposure, particularly mm -hmm. in the morning to establish the circadian rhythm. Yeah. Um, and then a cold thermogenesis, right? Cold therapy, like cold showers, ice baths. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Wim Hof or any of that stuff. Of course, yeah, I love uh, this stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. in the morning. Yeah. yeah, so that's I, I try and get out, you know, within 15 minutes of, of sunrise and, you know, spend a good 20 minutes to 30 minutes every day, you know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's by far the best way to wake up in the morning. Just have yeah. the blind wide open and the sun hitting you and you can't resist getting out of bed. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's you amazing. Can't. Yeah. And that relationship clearly is not only physical, but I bet it's it has to be um, related to your microbiome as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. So that's his whole argument, right? Like, you yeah. know, diet's great. You know, eat, eat a good diet. He's not saying go buy a box of, you know, a bag of Oreos, but <laughs> focus on optimizing that engine. And that's primarily done through light, cold exposure, you know, things like that. So. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's see. So what questions or what are three questions that, that I should have asked you, but I, but I haven't. Okay. Oh, you should have asked me, but you haven't. Um, let's see. Um, we have the origin story. We have what's in the products. Oh, the future of microbiome and the future of, uh, of craft. Yes. Yeah. I, I think this is just the beginning for humankind. And I think soon enough, um, that uh, you know we'll be taking specific microbiome products to perform specific tasks. You know, there's been um, really some good foundational research on uh, diabetes and probiotics. You know, mm. you can take specific probiotics and develop diabetes. You can take specific probiotics and develop hypertension. And these have been demonstrated in mouse models. But I think in humans, it's going to be oh, I need to do math. I need to, you know, do some qualitative reasoning. I think there's going to be supplements available for specific mental tasks. And I think the, the production of neurotransmitters in the gut is going to greatly, as long as it comes to market, I believe it's going to greatly impact humankind. You know, like to, I guess that furthers the idea of specialization within the human condition, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as we move to a more specialized society, I believe this will be products to help facilitate that mm. in the form of probiotics. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, specialization and optimizing the microbiome for specific things you want to do, whether it's weight gain or weight loss, yeah. is going to be, you know, huge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I've also theorized um, about uh, probiotics for you know, um, like army missions or something like that. Like sometimes when you go on a, you know, on an excursion from a military base, you're gone for two, three days. And a lot of your food is a lot of your weight that you carry is food, right? The ability to kind of, um, support an ecosystem in your body where one bacteria eats the other bacteria to support all your, like you were talking about vitamin B, vitamin K, all that stuff in your body would be a huge benefit to kind of adventuring and, you know, military applications. Yeah, for sure. Right. If you could eat half the calories and still maintain your energy level, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, I was on a call with the U S army research lab, um, a few months ago, but, uh, they have a pretty significant testing protocol for any food that's fed to the military. You know, it's, it's, it takes years, probably half a decade to get something approved. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I wonder. I wonder if the special operations command is any better. They might. I don't know if they can pass. Right? Don't know. Yeah, yeah. A lot, 
lot of my cousins are military officers. I never enlisted or anything like that, but it's always been a, a you know, a interesting field for me. Yeah. I'm, I might have some contacts I could put you in touch with. <laughs> I don't, I don't have any personal military contacts, but I, I know people who do. So <laughs> awesome. Um, what else? What, is there any other questions I should have asked, but didn't? Um, just trying to think. Um, I don't know. A lot of people ask, where do you get the probiotics from? Yeah, let's talk about that. So where, where do people find craft, craft products? Oh, no, I was talking about the individual bacteria. But um, you can find craft, craft Microbiome on our website, craftmicrobiome.com. Um, that's the majority way to find them. Uh, we're looking to get into a few stores in the Madison, Wisconsin area and the Boston area. And um, to <laughs> I don't want to put this right next to where do you get them. But they come from, you know, you could get the bacteria in saliva samples, you can get it in uh, skin swabs, and you can get it in uh, fecal samples. That's where our probiotics come from. Yeah, that's how you look for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you grow them in a lab. Yes, we grow them in a lab, and they're identified by third parties to make sure what we're growing is what we actually have. Awesome. <laughs> where, do people, where do people find you? So craftmicrobiome.com, and then do you guys have a social feed that you're active on? Yeah, we're active um, on Instagram and on Facebook. Okay. Well, let's conclude with this. Is there any any athletes that are using your stuff that you can you can talk about? <laughs> we have. Uh, they haven't not given permission, but I can say we have a professional NHL player. We have a professional baseball player, um, and we have uh, people from Peloton uh, instructors of Peloton taking it, um, and we have. Uh, Olympic hopefuls in rowing, and uh, what else do we have? Um, I guess that's that's all I can really talk about for right now. Yeah, and what what kind of results are they seeing? They use it every day in their training, and they're very happy with it. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's really great. Well, is there a, a discount code for for listeners to? Um... Yeah, I'd be happy to give them a discount code. Um, perhaps Eric and then yeah, Eric. sure. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we can put it just E R I C, right? Yeah. Um, I'm sure we can put that on the website for you. Awesome. Awesome. I'll add that to the, the show notes. Well, Anders, thanks a lot for your time. I think we're in the early stages of understanding the microbiome. I think you guys are doing some fascinating things, you know, with the strains of bacteria that can help with uh, muscle gains, um, performance, testosterone, growth hormone. I think I'm going to double down on my uh, my craft experiment here and uh, definitely will keep in touch with you and report back how uh, how I'm doing. I'm not sure I'll get up to... Uh, 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 what are you up to something like 100 billion strains of that? I'm not sure I'll quite get that high. <laughs> Let's get 195. I'd be happy to get you to 195. Yeah, I would love to. I, I would love to get to. I would love to get to 195. That's my. <laughs> that's been my goal. So I'll definitely follow up and take take you up on that one. So, all right, Anders. Well, thanks. Thanks so much Bye. for your time. Thank you, Eric. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. A super interesting podcast with Anders Corbett from Craft Microbiome. I think their idea that one's physical attributes are not permanent, but can be impacted significantly by specific strains of human-sourced probiotics is super interesting and compelling. 
So to get all the show notes, you can visit thrivality.com slash podcasts, and you can place an order or learn more about um, Craft Microbiome at craftmicrobiome.com and use the discount code ERIC for 10% off. Thanks a ton, and we'll see you next time.